are thrilled to have the institutional fundraising platform Instrumental join us as a multi-episode sponsor in Season 5. Instrumental CEO Gary Monglick has created a mini-series of grant tips to help you be more efficient and strategic in your grant seeking. Listen in on today's tidbit. What is the gap you saw in the institutional fundraising market? In other words, what made you want to create Instrumental? The main gap that we saw was that there was no end-to-end tool for institutional fundraising. There was no intelligent, easy-to-use software that was truly focused on the outcome of saving you time and winning more grants. For example, we don't just provide you with data, we actually match you to the data. We don't just provide you with the tracking tool, we provide opinionated workflows to save you time. The outcome that we hold ourselves accountable to is actually growing revenue and saving time, and that's how we build our product, and that's what we're trying to do for our customers. To find out more, check out instrumental.com. Use coupon code HEYDAY50 for $50 off the first month of Instrumental. That's I-N-S-T-R-U-M-E-N-T-L.com. Well, hello there. I'm Kimberly Hayesday Muga. And I'm Amanda Day. And you're listening to season five of the Fundraising Heyday podcast. We are here to help you make sense of the complex world of grant writing, fund and fundraising, whether you work for a nonprofit, local government, or our consultant who serves them. On Fundraising Heyday, we will cover the how-to, don't you worry, but we also want to explore the whys around things, including poking the bear of inequity that roams the cold, dark forest world of philanthropy. I so love your imagery. Um, As always, we're doing this every two weeks with the help of experts in the field and our particular brand of entertainment, which may include songs, cheesy sound effects, and an occasional y'all. Speaking of y'all, my friend just gave me a tea towel that um, says home sweet home y'all. You you know, it's proudly displayed on my oven right now. I have Um, no doubt. Yes. But uh, we do all this because learning doesn't have to be boring. So let's get going into today's topic after a quick word from our most favorite sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by our season five sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Don't let grants stress you out. Their team can help you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review, as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com. Check it out today. Welcome back to another episode. Today, we are talking about an important grant how-to, goals and objectives. Feel free to go ahead and squeal with the light. Go on. I'll wait. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shout it from the rooftops. We love writing goals and objectives. Actually, actually, I don't mind them. And this is where Amanda's like, what? Who are you? <laughs> I, know. I, I don't mind them, but uh, we can talk about why in a minute. But um, Anyway, Amanda, tell well, us tell us more. I, I suppose there may be some of you who live for this part of the grant proposal, but oh, let no. me tell you, I, I'm not one of them. I didn't say yeah, I don't live, live for it. For it. I, I said I actually do, I don't mind them. They're 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 far worse things for me. Let's put it that way. You know, I was in a, a writing 
workshop once and where it was kind of one of those you could ask anything and they were delving in deep on different subjects and I heard we had been talking about writing need statements and writing other things and I raised my hand because I was like, I would love to talk more about writing goals and objectives. And the instructor, who is someone I love dearly and is a brilliant, great writer, she's like, well, we don't need to spend much time on that. Those are hard. And I was like, well, maybe not for you. But, you know, I, I think my problem with goals and objectives is that most of the program directors I work with, especially when I was embedded in an organization, they didn't quite understand what the funder meant by goals and objectives, right? So it was like pulling teeth to get them to even talk enough about their program and its purpose for me to then extrapolate measurable goals and objectives. And it wasn't like I was doing such a niche thing that after a while I was like, oh yeah, I've got, I got these down, right? It was more like I'm writing a police grant that's about a specific type of crime one day. And then I'm writing about, you know, fire purposes. And then I'm writing about, you know, a parks and rec program. And so it it was all over the map, Um, which means sometimes I was really just trying to make them up to the best of my ability. And then going back to the program person going, is this something you can measure? Does this seem legit? And so it, for me, it was often a frustrating thing. Um, but good objectives really can help with everything else in your grant. So it's it's an important how-to to know how to do. Yeah. I think um, what I, I feel differently about it now than I did at the start of my career, just because I see them as a tool to yeah. help people get real clear and real focused mm-hmm. about what it is that they want to do with that program. Not all of life, as we know, is easily condensed into objectives. But by golly, if you're going to see grant funding, it's like, what is the change that will come about because you've received this funding mm-hmm. and how will you measure it? And there's something about going through that process um, now that that it's embedded in how I work and I and just also getting people to focus on what is the change that they want to see versus, gosh, we need another another van or oh we our computers are yes. outdated but it's like no what is what is it what is the thing and how will you know you've achieved it so um, it, it it is true that a lot of times um, I especially if I'm working with a new client or um, when I was as a staff person, when I was newer to the organization or there was a new program director, depending mm-hmm. on their experience, it was, it was, but it was like a little teaching moment while we worked together to get down to it. And not sometimes it was um, what are the, what are the changes? And that can lead to a discussion of what is realistic, which is something that we'll get into about objectives, but also just about the program in general and the grant in question, like, you're not going to help all the children in Eastern Tennessee achieve academic excellence with ten thousand dollars, you know. <laughs> and, and, and so sometimes it was sometimes it was having talk about overly ambitious goals, or sometimes just even having goals at all. Yeah. But that's why we wanted to jump into this uh, how to um, and uh, add it to our episode lineup this season because it um, it's kind of like Atlanta traffic. It's there. And you want a grant and you got to do it. So it's up to you to decide, do you want, if you cannot be in traffic at 530 in the afternoon on a Friday, maybe that's a good thing. It's, but it's, yeah. it's going to be there. So it's how you approach it. Absolutely. Well, and we, we did a, 
a need statement how-to in a previous season. And one of the things we talked about there is if you don't have a need, don't even bother writing the grant, right? And so hopefully you've already established what that need is, you've described it, you know all that stuff. But I would take it, it's not only you have to have a need, but you do have to have a a program that actually is going to affect change. Otherwise, even if you have a need, but if you're not going to be able to fix or at least or if it's not a, if it's not a big help if it's not something that if it's not a, a demonstrable community need you know if it's just that you need you you think you need a, a new desk you know what i mean you know what i'm trying yeah. to say it's uh-huh. like we need things we need more we need staff things. We need, yeah and it's like you want to measure change is the change that you want to measure does it really is it, there's a so what factor too yeah yeah Absolutely. So what will happen if more kids excel in school or whatever? So, so yeah. I think you're coming up with some definitions. I am. Yeah, I think it's important to start with some general definitions of the two. So goals are going to be those big overarching wishes, desires. You know, what are you hoping happens with your program, right? So mm-hmm. it's going to be things like we're going to save the whales. We're going to end homelessness. We're going to feed the hungry, right? So a lot of times this is tied to your mission, right? Mm-hmm. Like what's, why, why does your organization exist? What are you hoping, you know, we're going to have world peace. So it, goals can be big lofty things that it may take you years and years and years to ever attain. It it may never, like world peace, if that's the whole point of your organization, is world peace ever going to happen? I, if it, I wish, but you know, probably not. Um, but if that, that's a good goal to shoot for though, right? So it it can be, they can be lofty. Let's put it that way. Um, but then objectives, that's where you start to get specific and much more drilled down. So these are the specific changes you expect to see as the result of your program, right? So it's, if our goal is to save the whales, how many whales are you saving? What kind? Is it the beluga whales? Is it the humpback whales? Is it, you know, where are you saving the whales? Is it in the Pacific Ocean? Is it in a, you know, around a certain island? How are you going to measure that? Who's involved in the process? And on and on and on, okay? Um, and so that's an important thing um, to make sure. And we're going to talk a little bit later about objectives and how specific they need to be, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's also important to understand how many goals and objectives you have in a program, right? Because the reality is there's no set rule, right? You could have a program, like Kimberly mentioned, you've got $10,000 to do a program. You're probably not going to have 12 goals and 800 objectives if you're getting $10,000. Not if I'm writing that grant. No. A grant that small, you might very well have one goal and one objective, and that is a-okay. There's nothing wrong with that, right? So at a minimum, that's probably what you're going to have for each grant you write. One goal and one objective. It's possible you could have one goal. And a couple of different objectives, all related to that same goal. You know, you're doing an after-school program that your whole point is to educate kids. You could have different objectives. Maybe some are centered around math skills. Maybe some are centered around reading, right? So, but they all moving towards the goal of educating kids. Um, You could have multiple goals and multiple objectives under each of those goals, right? Especially if you've got some big, you know, you're going for a big $10 million program that's going to be able to do all kinds of different things. That's quite possible. Um, Know that occasionally there are funders that will tell you how many goals and objectives you will have. Um, Kimberly and I both have talked about before being a reviewer for the 21st Century Community Learning Centers grant. Uh-huh. That grant requires them to have three goals and I think three objectives at a minimum under each of those goals. So that's they have to make sure that they put a program in place that that can do all of those things. 
Um, if they don't tell you how many goals and objectives to write, it's really up to you to determine how many. Um, but the thing I always try to remind myself and whoever I'm writing for is that for every objective you write, you've got to track that. When it comes to reporting, they're going to want to know. So if you said you were going to do 10 things and you're going to measure it and here's how you're going to do it, guess what? They expect you to measure those 10 things. And they also are hoping you meet what you said you were going to do. So I always try to think about, okay, we're doing this program. It's about, you know, a medium-sized program. We're hoping to impact change three places. Let's have three objectives. You know, could we write more? Sure. But why? If those three objectives measure the change we're working towards, I don't need to write 12 to get my point across. At least that's, that's typically my thinking. No, I agree. I think, um, and I, I want to back up too and say, yeah. I actually think it's important for programs to already have things that they're measuring with or without the grant application. You know what I'm saying? I, we're yes, not saying, absolutely. we're not saying reinvent the wheel for every grant application. And some organizations choose to follow that path and some, and some don't, but I, <laughs> I and I'm just going to leave that there, but in an ideal not even an ideal, in a pretty good working environment, I think it, you would need to have, you know, sometimes it's, I've worked for agencies where they might have balanced scorecards, where it's like the, the senior leadership and the board come up with objectives um, that are followed throughout the year and tracked rather throughout the year. So yeah. another thing I would put out there is if, two things, one, if that already exists and those kinds of measurements that are already being tracked and measured fit into the program for which you're seeking funding and fit into, you can make them fit into the structure of the grant that you're writing. I would use goals uh, and objectives in particular that are already existing and that are easily measured and tracked. Um, mm -hmm. Because again, as Amanda said, you're going to have to, you're going to have to track that. And if they say, and a lot of applications I work on will ask for um, not always the goals. I, sometimes they just don't even ask for the goals. Sometimes that's they true, do, but definitely objectives. And so if they say between three and six objectives, your aunt Kim is going to recommend sliding in around four, four good yeah. ones. And we'll talk mm -hmm. about what makes a good objective so that because you do have to track and report on those and I want to make sure that those four objectives as much as possible reflect directly on tracking yeah. on on things that are already being gathered because mm -hmm. then and if you build that in that way to every program that you possibly can for which you're seeking grant funding it's just easier on everybody yeah. Well, and I would say, I think that's a good point. It's, it is nice if you've already, you've got these programs and you've always thought, already thought about the goals and objectives. And if I will say, if that hasn't been done at your organization as the grant writer, you can do it, right? I, I work with a client right now who one of the things they've asked for us to do this year is for every single one of their programs to basically write kind of a grant template, right? So I just oh, I finished yeah, that's the first, good. first one this week. And so basically I just opened up a Word document and I thought about the main pieces that go with a typical grant proposal, right? So for I, And I just, I started with one of their programs and I did a need statement. I did goals and objectives for it. I did, you know, the program activity. I did a budget. I did, you know, now is that, are they going to be able to just cut and paste every time? Absolutely not. But now when we write a grant for that program, if it says we need some goals and objectives, we've already written them. And if they need more or less, then obviously we'll tweak it. But this is really going to be a great starting point for them 
to have all this. Because if you're like me, you know, like every time you go to write a grant, you're like, oh, I've written something like this before. What what grant was that where I answered the same question? You know, so to have kind of a template to have it in one place is really helpful. And so, you know, again, having having this for goals and objectives is great, but it also is helpful to have it for some of the other typical parts of a grant. So just food for thought. That's something I recommend doing at the start of every fiscal year. Um, yeah. And we, I want to, I want to, I want to e- uh, ease on into the wonderful world of smart objectives. But before I do, I also want to let you know that if you're interested in that kind of uh, sort of fact sheet or template creation. We also, um, we interviewed Allison Boyd of Boyd Grants earlier this season, and she does what she calls um, an organizational assessment, where it really is, think of it as kind of like uh, the equivalent of a research paper (laughs) in a way Mm -hmm. on each organization um, that is a client of hers, and she details it in that interview and um, has a really solid method behind it. So check that out if that's something that interests you. But first, we're going to go on to um, what makes an objective a good objective. And a good objective is something that ties directly into meaningful change you want to see in your program, right? Um, But it also should follow a specific formula. This is formulaic writing. This is not time to describe the butter-colored light that slides through the window on a perfect spring day. This is following... (laughs) Um, a formula that many times for larger uh, private and certainly for government funders, they will give you examples. So this is time mm-hmm. to, this is, I'm not a big fan of this, but this is actually time to color inside the lines, right? Because you want to make sure you hit it. Um, one beloved or maligned acronym that that uh, describes how to put together objectives is to make them smart. Now, back in mm-hmm. the early aughts, this was also applied to personal goal setting. So if you've heard it, as relates to goals, and you're like, but you're not talking about goals, you're talking about objectives. Here's the deal. Different people use these words in different ways. We're talking about goals yes. and objectives in the grant world, where goals are usually, as Amanda said, more overarching, and then objectives are specific, So, which is actually the first part of a SMART. I'm, you can't see me, but I'm making my little air quotes. SMART objectives. It's an acronym, y'all. So the first is specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time timely, has a time frame or is time bound. I've heard it all different ways, but mm-hmm. the, the T stands for something related to time. So yep. um, specific, I think we've addressed that before, like what is the change you are wanting to see? And one example might be um, reduced um incidences of uh, disruptive behaviors in the classroom. That's real specific as opposed to kids will have a better experience at school. Teachers will like teaching. That's, there's a lot of things going on in those few little phrases, but something Mm -hmm. specific. So in this case, and that particular example, it was specific behaviors, right? And something that is measurable. So if you're going back to the behavior in the classroom example, uh, my husband is a teacher. And so guess what? There are forms involved when you're reporting disruptive behavior in the classroom. There's documentation. There's um, 
online sort of closed networks of parent communication where this should be documented. In certain incidences, it, uh, it, it could go to uh, the counselor or the principal, um, but there are things that are measurable because you can document them, because you can count them, because you can um, track them in some way. The third the third letter of the SMART objectives is the letter A, and it stands for attainable. And this is one of the um, most interesting discussions that I usually have with the client is around whether or not um, that particular goal, if you're putting numbers to it, if you're measuring it, is it attainable, particularly in the frame of the grant cycle timeline. So mm -hmm. again, getting back to behaviors, if, if, if you were at a school that maybe for lots of reasons, there are kids there that have adverse childhood experiences, um, they may be living, their families may be experiencing um, very low incomes or homelessness or live in uh, violent places. Um, and all of that can affect behavior, right? And so maybe you Absolutely. have... I'm just going to make this up just, and this, this, again, I'm just making this up for the purposes of examples. Maybe um, each year you have 500 um, disruptive behaviors um, in a particular school, um, disrupted to the point where they need to be, you know, measured and reported. If you say that your objective is to eliminate, you know, bring to zero all disruptive behaviors in a nine-month academic year <laughs> at this school, and I don't care if they're giving you a million dollars. There, I just, I'm, I'm thinking you're, that is not necessarily attainable in that yeah. time frame. That also kind of rolls into the R for realistic. Is it realistic to assume that you can completely eliminate? We'll choose another example. Um, when I worked for the food bank, the overarching goal was eliminating hunger in North Georgia. Now that the wording may have changed slightly over the years, but the idea was nobody's hungry anymore. Yeah. That's the goal. Feed the hungry till nobody's hungry anymore. Everybody has what they need, which is beautiful. Yeah. Everybody has what they need. Well, if I am asking for $10,000 from a family foundation to buy some fresh produce for a couple of, uh, or several partner schools um, locally, is it realistic that that will end hunger for those kids? Is it realistic that because these kids' families may have access to fresh produce that they didn't before, um, that the children's grades are going to improve dramatically because they've incorporated fresh fruit into their diets? No. So yeah. for me, attainable and realistic are kind of first cousins when it comes to mm -hmm. how they how related they are in developing objectives. And then finally, the time frame, I've alluded to it a couple of times before, but the, the, the best, the tightest objectives are, there's gonna be some sort of time. It could be academic year, as I talked about before. It could be calendar year, fiscal year. If it's a multi-year grant cycle, you may have um, built in, you know, by the end of year one or the end of year two or something like that. But the idea that you're putting, um, um, a, a, a start and an end time when you're going to be measuring the change you expect to see in your program. So um, I just wanted to offer that up. If you've never heard it before, then that could be a good framework for you. Again, I would always, always 
read through that proposal, read through um, the notice of funding availability or the RFP or whatever you want to call it, that instruction guide for grants. Yeah. Oftentimes they'll address that and they'll include examples. And if their examples differ dramatically from what you just told you, what you just heard me say, um, go with the people who have the money and are telling yeah. you how they want things. I, that's not a very nice thing to say, but it's the truth. So we're giving you an overview. Every proposal, every application could have a different take on that. And you use their take if you want to develop the most competitive um, application possible. Yeah. Well, and building on that too, I would say something that always I try to come back to the M, measurable, right? Right. Um, because you can know, like I've done programs before where we've done um, put in fiber and technology and connectivity to connect signals along a major route in a community, right? So the signals are timed better, which means traffic flows quicker. Now I know just from my human life experience, if people can get from point A to point B, whether it's from work to home or kids school to the soccer practice or whatever, I know if you can do that quicker with less traffic, people are gonna be happier People are probably going to be less stressed, right? But the reality is I don't have the ability to measure that, right? I mean, my only option is to be standing on the side of the road and be like, okay, so last week your commute time was 35 minutes. We've got it down to 25. Take this survey, right, and help me. That's not going to happen. But what I can measure is, thanks to engineers I've worked with, they can tell you to drive from point A to point B. Right now the average travel time for these 12 miles is X many minutes. We implement the project, we can remeasure and show that it has been reduced, right? So for us, the thing we are measuring is just a reduction in travel time. That's that's something we have the ability to easily measure, even though we also know that that's going to lead to less road rage. That's going to lead to happier people. That's going to give them more time to do other things. And hopefully they're choosing it to have great, fabulous, healthy lives. But I can't measure those things, You probably. You could... Um... Because measuring really like hard. And no, no, it's true. You sometimes when I'm working with clients too, that it's like they're they're measuring certain things, but behavioral change is hard to measure. Yeah. And or um, changes in um, uh, 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 clients' feelings or perceptions of the program. You could do something like that by doing some sort of survey that was posted again. It's only going to be people who self-select to respond to that survey if it's online. You could build in an, an incentive um, if you on a much smaller scale than whole cities with the traffic patterns. Um, you yeah. could have satisfaction surveys. You could, if you're looking at behavioral change, you can track that. You can track grades. You can ask people to um, complete different surveys. I, I was I was grocery shopping this morning, and I always do self-checkout because introverted and um <laughs> at the end and i'm not saying that this is this is state-of-the-art um scientific research but they ask you um to give rate them a number of stars out of five for your satisfaction with the self-checkout and um i mean it's something so if there yeah. are ways that you can and it makes sense to measure that but again amanda's right you also have to look at how much it costs to measure something. Yes. And that mm -hmm. sort of gets back to the R of realistic, right? If you to do to really properly survey people um, about their 
time, you know, timing their trips, you'd have to, you'd have to hire someone to, to stand out there. You'd have to hire or, or install some sort of strange little tracking device. People would love that if you install yeah. that in their cars to measure all this. And it's like sort of the, sort of a, um, an Apple watch of cars kind of thing. I mean, there, and then it's like, what kind of government surveillance caca is this and who's going to track <laughs> well, it? But it, again, it's what things could be done that could be measured in a way that is not going to overburden staff yeah. and resources for the program or the people yeah, participating. I, yeah, I, I, you're right. Surveys can be much easier. If you've got a program where people are coming to you and you have their contact information, then you've got your ready-made set yep. of people that you can send your survey to. That still doesn't mean they're all going to take it. It doesn't nope. mean they're all going to finish it. Nope. But you do have your set. You've got something. When it's you know when it's on the road, it's like well, not every citizen drives on it, and people outside of our community drive through our roads. No. And there's no. It would be so hard to even reach a percentage. I mean, that you'd it have just to do something. You'd have to do oh. something like oh, if you if you're tweeting it out or putting it on your Facebook page, and then you get into who's really responding. What does it mean? Is there? Exactly. I mean, there are other ways to build in that measurable aspect around these sort of larger things. And you just have mm -hmm. to kind of look at them, you know, is it a question in a town hall meeting? And then it only reflects the people who self-selected to attend. Is it a, an online survey? Um, is it um, one of those fun little quizzes? Cause who doesn't love a quiz, right? Um, <laughs> that's on social media. Um, sometimes I can help uh, when clients are struggling with this, it's where we can just sort of come in and talk through those things. Like Amanda and I just did to you, sort of a real world example of how could you even think about measuring something like that? And there are some imperfect measures that realistically could be put out there that could be time bound. Yeah. Would, would they would they touch on everything? No. Could it be a, an adjunct to what you're doing? Maybe. I mean, yeah. just just some ideas yeah. out there. Mm hmm. Um, and I want to give you another way. Looking at your objective and writing it from that smart perspective is certainly a smart way to do it. But, um, another way to look at it, sometimes I like to look at it uh, as, am I answering these questions? You know, so I'll write my objective and then I'll stand back and I'll ask myself, okay, first question, who is benefiting? Right. And am I and again, I like to be specific, like the smart object, um, acronym says, you know, so am I just saying, hey, kids at Grant Middle School? Well, OK, that's a start about who. But if my program is only for sixth graders and it's a pilot program and I'm only working with 56 graders, a better answer to who would be 56 graders at Grant Middle School. Now I'm really telling you who it is mm -hmm. I'm working with, trying to help, trying to change something, right? Um, and then another thing I want to make sure my objective answers is the question of what, as in what changes am I seeing? And Kimberly's kind of touched on this, right? You can have a change in knowledge. You know, if you're doing some sort of education program, you can have a change in attitude or behaviors or even actions. Mm -hmm. That um, example Kimberly gave about um, trying to change the behavior of students so they're not maybe acting out as much in class, not as disruptive, right? You're changing a behavior there. Um, it could also be a change of a system, right? If you were trying to maybe fix or improve the healthcare system in your community, God bless you for taking on such a behemoth, but that's just, it could be a work. system. 
Absolutely. Right. So changes can be in a lot of different forms, but you want to explain what is this change you know, specifically you're trying to do. Um, like the time bound, the question you want to answer here is when, when is this going to happen? And typically funders want your objectives to be within the grant time frame, right? So if I have a one-year grant program, I want to make sure that my change is happening within that one-year period, right? That, can I later elsewhere talk about based on this 10 years down the road, these things may happen as well? Sure, you can. But once the grant money's run out, you're not still probably, you may be still keeping up with it, but you're not reporting back to your funder. And so they're typically concerned about that grant period. So that's when you want to be able to show these changes are happening. Um, another thing we want to talk about is how much change. And Kimberly touched on this too, right? Obviously, we would love for 100% of all the things to be improved or better or great. That's not very realistic, okay? So how much change is realistic? Is 10%? Is 30%? Is it 2%? And to me, that's one of the hardest part about writing objectives is knowing, okay, we're going to do this program, how successful is it going to be, you know? And you, the answer to that is either you've done this programming for a while and you kind of know from year to year, like on average, we've had an 8% increase or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, if you're doing something new, you're probably piloting it based on other communities or other organizations. So see what their change was based on this similar program, right? And I'll be honest, sometimes it's a guess. Um, but you want to talk about how much change you expect to see. Um, and then, of course, you want to talk about how you're measuring it. What tools are you using? Who's doing the measuring? Is it Are you doing it in-house? Is, is it you as the grant writer? Is it your program director? Are you hiring an outside firm that's going to do all these cool and crazy and wonderful things? But those are the questions you want to answer. Who, what, when, how much change, and how measured? And so I write objectives, and if they don't answer these questions as I go back, then I tweak it to make sure that I am. And also what Amanda is doing when she's doing that is making sure that it matches up exactly what the funder is asking for, because they can Absolutely. be asking for things in a different order than we described this and all true. of that. I'm just, I'm just saying, but the logic of it is still, is still the same. So th that's why I'm kind of like, when I first got started, it was, oh my gosh. And it, but it was because a lot of program staff weren't, maybe weren't used to thinking of things that way or yeah. if they had been tracking some things and not others maybe they were just tracking attendance for example in a program mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with um what i would call um like a process objectives that measure sort of process it's sort of like those old uh, signs on mcdonald's that said number you know how many millions of people served that's yeah. like a that's like a and i'm not slagging it although I'm not commenting about, yeah, I am commenting about McDonald's, bleh, but um, um, <laughs> come at me. But um, the idea there, yeah, it's important to track attendance, right? But yeah. I just, I just want to get back to, but if all people are doing is showing up and attending, you don't know. And, the, and you don't know if they're, if knowledge is increased or if they're able to prepare healthier meals because they're attending a cooking class and they're getting some free meal prep boxes with recipe. If you don't track sort of the, 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 the why, if you're only yeah. tracking the, the how many and not the change itself, that's not going to be a very strong program in terms of its attractiveness to funders. 
Um, and I've thrown out some examples of objectives. We know we talked about the behavioral objectives and food distributions objectives. But Amanda has a fine, fine objective that I wish that she would share with y'all now. And it's more health related because we just wanted to give different examples. So, Amanda, if you would hop yeah. in. So let's say our goal is to improve the health of low income residents without insurance in Grant County. Um, and my objective associated with that could be this. Of the 300 patients diagnosed with diabetes, 60% will manage their disease well. This will be measured by the A1C levels of patients. Those with levels below seven are considered healthy. Grant County's free clinic doctors will annually collect this data after patients participate in initial testing and educational programs. Data will be collected in December, 2022. Okay, so a couple of things to point out here. My objective is not one sentence, it's multiple sentences, which is okay, or it, you may be able to squeeze it all into one sentence, right? Or so, some um, funders may have specific word limits too, so keep that Yes, in absolutely. Or they may have a template and maybe a little box you're squeezing different things in, right? But this objective here, it talks about who am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about 300 patients in our community that have diabetes, right? I am talking about how much change, okay? So 60% of those are going to manage their disease well. And I will say, if you're throwing out percentages, you need to have a number to go with it, right? Because I know it's 60% of 300, so I've got a number there. If I just said patients of, of patients diagnosed with diabetes, 60% will manage their disease well, well, am I serving 10 people total? Am I serving 1,000 people? Like 60% can be a whole lot of things if you don't know what 60% of what, right? So what change is they, you know, they're managing their diabetes well, pretty simple. And how are we gonna measure that? Well, we're gonna do A1C levels and who's gonna do it? The doctors at our clinic and it's gonna happen by the end of December. So all those things we talked about are packed within there. That's something we're measuring change. We're showing how we're measuring it, when it's gonna happen, who all's benefiting. So that is, that's an objective I have written many a time in a grant proposal for a client I've got. Um, I would like to go back. Kimberly pointed out a thing about the difference between process objectives and outcome objectives. Those process ones where you're just really measuring what you're doing and you're just kind of counting things, but you're not measuring change. It's okay to have those in your proposal as long as that's not the only type of objectives. Yep. You want those outcome objectives, which the example I gave is that. Kimberly's given a lot of examples. Yep. But I will tell you, I've had a situation where we, we all I could give was a process objective. Okay, and I'll, I'll explain that to you real quick. So I had a client, it was a, it was a local government, their park and rec department, wanted to go for, there was a local funder, a private funder, that was giving money away to build a new soccer field okay and so the initial application didn't ask for goals and objectives it just was asking about you know what the need for soccer program where you would put it and the we knew the community that had won it um the year before they did an indoor soccer field at a um, marta station which marta is atlanta's um transit authority so this was a great way for people all around Atlanta could get on the train, ride to this particular station and have an indoor soccer field to be able to play year round, no matter the weather. Okay. So that's the, that's who won it the year before. Now we were just putting our soccer field in a park, which is, you know, that's, everybody does that. But what made us unique was the fact that we had such this community I write for like 60% of the community 
is foreign born. So born somewhere outside of the U.S. So lots of different languages represented. And so we really talked up about how, we're, you know, soccer is such a huge sport in a lot of the communities and a lot of the countries folks were coming from moving here, um, that it's kind of a universal language in some ways and how we can serve all these kids and da, 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 da. So we write the grant, we made the finals. They picked five people for the finals. So round two was another application. This time they wanted you to have objectives. And the whole point of the soccer is they wanted to get people out and being healthy. And so they wanted you to be able to measure healthy changes, right? The problem was the entire grant could only go towards construction, which meant we had no money to be able, because we were like, well, the ideal thing would be to start a soccer program and maybe do some initial health screenings of people participating in the program. And then, you know, to be able to test, do any of them have, you know, health issues or weight issues or this or that, get them going into soccer and then test again. Right. But the problem was our parks and rec department that had three employees that didn't have a background in that, didn't have the time to do all that. There was just no way unless we got other money, which we didn't have at the time, right? So our objectives were basically around counting how many people participated in the program, how often they were getting exercise, which you could extrapolate some things. You know, we could do a survey at the end to see if there were some improvements, but we really, I did not have the ability to write the kind of objective I knew needed to be written just because the program, the way it was all set up, didn't lend itself to that. And they ended up not getting funded. And I'm sure that's partly why, but we also knew we couldn't, we knew what it should have been in there, but we knew we never could have measured that with the way the grant was set up. So we didn't want to lie. And so all that to say is you do the best with what you, the resources that you have at the end of the day. Also, I think I'd like to push back on funders that say that you can only pay for construction, but we also would like to have medical outcomes I, measured. Really, y'all, put your money where yeah, your mouth is if that's what you uh, want. That's that's just. I'm I don't I'm not disagree gonna, with that. I'm not going to cuss, but I'm like, really, well, really. Or my other frustration, not only that, but or giving us more notice for because we could have, if we had enough time, we could have built partnerships with maybe some local clinics or the local hospital that maybe they will be willing yeah, to donate so or do maybe maybe but when you got then what's three in weeks, it for them too what's i mean well there's that too it's the whole but, it's the whole shoot match oh yeah but they need to they need time. to do smart objectives on their own funding strategies and i'm happy to help y'all i'm happy yeah. to help y'all at k hayes de muga come to me on twitter and i will come to you and for a fee i will help you with that <laughs> you can you can get the outcomes that you that are you looking for with the money that you have to work with we can help you we yes, can help you can. just saying um <laughs> So um, I would also ask you to remember that for every objective you write, as Amanda just so ably demonstrated, someone at your agency needs to track the data, right? Or you'll have to hire someone to do it for you. And I would like to go out on a limb and say, I will speak for myself. That someone is not me. If I am <laughs> writing grants for you as or raising money for you, I can help um, if, pro, if if a lot of times if you're doing an internal collection of data, I was always very clear with whoever I worked with. It's like you either want me to raise money or you want me to evaluate your programs. And if I do a little bit of both, you're not going to be happy because I'm not going to raise as much money as you want me to raise because I'm too busy tracking the program. So I was always very, very clear and I'm still very clear to help people think through Who's going to do the reporting? Who's going to do the tracking? Because you want to um, 
Well, you have to track this information for funders and you want to be able to measure it. Can you meet every single objective? Probably not, especially if your objectives are, you know, realistic, if you're not sandbagging, you know, and but it's important to be able to talk through that and talk about the reasons why, you know, yeah. or you've exceeded an objective. Talk about that and the reasons yeah. why. And all that takes someone gathering the data and being able to talk about it. Well, and, and I would say, too, I've I've worked at places where my time was split. I wrote some and I managed some. And so I, I have done both sides of the coin. But even though I am always happy to help with data collection, I'm happy. I did most of the reporting the oh well, that's yeah. I'm not talking. I'm not talking about oh, yeah. reporting. I'm yeah, talking about gathering the data, like getting a big stack of surveys and analyzing. Yeah. I'm like, do you want me to do that or do you want me to raise money? I'm yeah. Just saying. Well, and the reality too is, if you're if you're managing as a grant manager and you're helping manage multiple programs when it comes to reporting, I'm not going to be at every event you have. Nope. I'm not going to nope. like, and oftentimes it's not just that you need the data. You need anecdotal stories and you need these things. And so I'm with you. I, I did a lot of pushback with program directors nope. setting expectations of here's the role I'll play in grant management, but this is the role you have to play. And oftentimes I sent lots of reminders like, Hey, a report's due in a week. You're supposed to send me X, Y, and Z. And that could get very frustrating, but yeah, you, you need your program people. They know it better than you anyway. So it, it really should be them doing that data collection. So um, one thing I want to end on is one thing I can't stress enough um, is that your objectives are the change you expect to see. It's not the work you're doing. Okay. So many people write objectives like this. We're going to offer after school tutoring to 120 students. Classes will be offered three nights a week during the 2022-2023 school year. And like Kimberly said, those are things you can measure, but all you're measuring is what you're doing, okay? And what you're oh, doing... And you're not even measuring how many people are going to them. You're just saying, we opened the doors and we had this class. Uh-huh. I'm just yep. saying. I'm just yeah. saying. So you, what the funder really cares about is how those after-school classes are going to help its participant, not just that you're offering them. So... And objectives are one of those things I feel like I probably edit more than any other part. I mean, I edit an entire grant application. Obviously, I go back and fix and tweak. But that's one of those things I feel like I write, I read, I ask myself, am I measuring change? Am I being specific about this? Am I, is this attainable? And if the answer is no, then you just keep tweaking it until you can say, okay, yes, this is an attainable objective. I can measure it. It's affecting change. If it does all those good things, then I feel like I'm, I've gotten to a quality objective. Yeah. Yeah. So we hope that this, our discussion today and our examples, if, if this was a review for you and you just are the master of goals and objectives, then maybe there's a new nugget or a different thing or a different way to explain something. Maybe that's helpful. And if you're new to this, know that it just gets easier the more you do it and to really help your organization or your client, help them focus on the change they want to see and how they're going to measure it. And that is really the key to um, working with goals and objectives and grants. Yep. That pretty much sums it up. So happy writing, my friends. Thank you for listening. Your continued support is the reason we are back for season five. Please follow and leave a review of Fundraising Heyday on Apple Podcasts or follow and share the show and with your friends. 
Um, it's just a great way to help other folks, other grant writing and fundraising professionals find us. And we really do appreciate your support. Thank you again to our season five sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We so appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website at dhleonardconsulting.com to download their latest free resources today. We're so honored you chose to spend time with us today and hope you tune in for our next episode because it's one of my annual favorites. That's right. It is time for Grants Gone Wrong. Woohoo! You really don't want to miss this year's lineup. We'll see you then. Bye.